Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. An Erio's original. Hello and welcome to Web Crawlers, the podcast where we do a deep dive into some of our favorite unsolved mysteries. Each week, we will introduce our topic, lay out our research and findings, reveal some conspiracy theories, and conclude with our own hypothesis. Who knows? We might even solve a case. I am Ali Siegel. And I'm Melissa Stettin. And I'm producer Maria. Webcrawlers has a Patreon. To get access to rewards, bonus episodes, video versions of episodes, and ad-free episodes, as well as merchandise discounts, please go to patreon.com slash webcrawlers. You can donate as little as $2 a month to become one of our bimbo patrons. Also, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. It really helps us get up in the charts and helps us get new listeners. Um, if you give us a five-star review, a uh, screenshot and DM it to us, and we will read it on our podcast. Ooh, Maria's wearing a beret. See, if you're a patron, you'll be able to see all the <laughs> cool video stuff that's happening. I'm wearing overalls. Did you see that my background is someone who's near death because they're reaching toward a light? Yeah. Yeah, that's a little um, foreshadowing of our of our uh, episode today. Also, Erios has a hotline, 626-604-6262. 
please call us and leave a message. Uh, our mailbag episodes are actually some of our favorites, surprisingly. You guys leave the best messages. Melissa, who are our patrons for today? We have like eight, I think. We've got Rachel, Anna, Mackenzie, Maria, Alyssa, Devin, Sapphire, Chris, and Tracy. Welcome to the gang, gang. Uh, thank you for joining in. Anyways, I am super excited about our episode today. Uh, if you have seen Surviving Death on Netflix, it's a new documentary series out now. This is where I got the idea for it. Uh, the first episode is on near-death experiences. Although I feel like I would call them death experiences because it's about people who have like died for like a minute or seconds or several minutes yeah. at a time and then come back to life. And it's basically about what these people experiences, uh, experience in the interim when they're dead. So, uh, is there life after death? Does our consciousness continue to exist after we die? 10 to 20% of people who have near-death experiences report out-of-body spiritual experiences when they die. Most of the accounts are strikingly similar. Does this give proof of the existence of a soul that continues or a place like heaven? Let's get into it. So there have been near-death experiences uh, documented since prehistoric times. Like dinosaurs. Yes, absolutely. Since like dinosaurs. And they were documented in dinosaur times? <laughs> They're etched into, into the stone. cave walls. <laughs> um, but the first person to really popularize them was this guy Oppenheim. And he was climbing the Alps in Switzerland and he fell down, he fell down a cliff. <laughs> fell down an elf. <laughs> he fell down the Alps. Like in the Price is Right when the when the yodelers do 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 yes. and then he fall down. It is, it is, the Price is Right. Never heard of it. I don't know what she's talking about either. But <laughs> Never heard of the Price is Right. Uh, um, anyway, so he he fell down a cliff and died, and said it was like for a few minutes, and said it was the like most beautiful experience of his life. He said he felt like. No pain that time expanded and that like he felt an affinity with the universe and the mountain and life and wow. like everything in general. And he never felt so connected to humanity and the environment while he was tumbling down this cliff dying. Wow. <laughs> So this guy Oppenheim was like, I wonder if other people have these experiences when they are dying or close to death. So he started uh, interviewing people who had died or had near-death experiences. And it turned out they all had these feelings of like happiness and trust and like extreme comfort when they were on the border between life and death. Wow. So then obviously like, and there weren't that many experiences but then in the 60s and 70s, when um, resuscitation techniques came, we learned like CPR and um, like defibrillators and stuff like that. You could obviously bring more people back from the brink of death or from death in general. 
So then there was this new wave of near-death experiences where people had died and then been brought back to life and could recount like all this crazy stuff. That's crazy. Yeah. And all these people are having the same experiences, uh, which we'll get into, of visiting like a heaven-like afterlife. This medical journal called Resuscitation, I guess, uh, recently (laughs) published. I know. (laughs) It's very like on like apropos for this what we're talking about, um, published the first written account, the first medical description of a near-death experience. And it was from this 18th century military doctor named Pierre-Jean de Machaut. And he got a phlebotomy, which is, who knows? Is that a brain brain surgery? It's when someone uses a needle to take blood from a bla- brain, usually <laughs> oh. vein. Take blood from, from a, a vein, vein not usually a brain. in your arm. <laughs> I said vein, I not brain. brain. And I was like, what? Oh, phlebotomist. Melissa thought it was lobotomy. And it's a phlebotomy. And it's spelled P-H, not F, which was interesting for me to Google. Oh, interesting. <laughs> <laughs> I was spelling it like flubber. Like, that's how I saw it. Like, flubber. That's my next mini episode. Flubber so save that. Save that search. Um... <laughs> So I guess for for some reason during this phlebotomy, he passed out or was unconscious for a long time or something like that. I mean, it was the 17th century. So who knows if they really knew how to draw blood at that time. (laughs) Um, And he reported uh, seeing a pure extreme white light, having gone to heaven, felt affirmed, um, having never had a nicer moment, etc., Um, And that was the first time that that kind of experience had ever really been written about. And then it just continued from there. So uh, the modern research of near-death experiences really started in 1975 with this guy, Raymond Moody, uh, who wrote a book with interviews from 50 experiencers. And then there's this guy, Bruce Grayson, who's like the king of near-death experiences, (laughs) <laughs> which they call NDEs, which I like. I don't oh, yeah. think I'm ever going to say NDE because that just like confuses me. And I feel like it. I keep getting confused. It's like WMD. Yeah. I keep getting it confused <laughs> also with non-disclosure agreement. And I just oh, yeah, into NDA. It. Or NDR yeah. or DNR. Do not do not resuscitate. Do not resuscitate. If anything, this is the opposite. D&D. Dungeons and Dragons. Dungeons and Dragons. Or DDT. Yeah. Oh, boy. (laughs) Or DMT, which we'll also kind of talk about. Okay. So Bruce Grayson um, was the or is the professor emeritus of psychiatry and neurobehavioral scientists at the University of Virginia. And he was like, near-death experiences are a bunch of fooey. Like, this is crazy. If your brain is dead, you can't have any consciousness because your consciousness is determined by your brain activation. Like, if your brain is dead your brain isn't firing. You can't be thinking, you can't be feeling, you can't be hearing or seeing like this makes no sense. But if you die, your heart stops though, right? It's not necessarily your brain. These people who have been dead, their hearts and their brain are kaput. When you flatline both. Yeah. When you flatline, (laughs) both (laughs) both are kaput, which is what they're confused about in the idea of consciousness, because they're saying consciousness is is tied to your brain. And if your brain is not is not active, how are these people still experiencing consciousness when they are flatlined? 
So anyways, he at first he was like, these people are full of shit. But then he did 30 years of investigation. He um, he published the handbook of near death experiences. He's see he's the doctor in this um, documentary surviving death. And he was like, oh, shit, like, I think this stuff is real. This is really crazy. Is the is his, is it like the handbook for the recently deceased? The handbook yeah, the that they give out Beetlejuice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which no one reads. Um, so. There's some patterns among these stories that we'll get into because I'm going to I have a lot of like near death experiences from people who DM'd me, which is crazy. That's crazy. John Tenney has a death experience, which I'm going to read. And then I found some on Reddit as well. And then there's some from this documentary. But there's patterns that are similar in all the stories. So sense of time being distorted. So like one minute lasts an eternity and eternity lasts like one minute. Also, you can be multiple places at a time. So for example, in, in this one woman had a, she flatlined at the hospital. Um, but she like, she was dead for a minute or something like that, but she was simultaneously like above her body. She was also like in the waiting room with her husband and her daughter seeing what they were doing. She was like also with the site of where the accident had happened. Like you can apparently like time and place are all distorted. Crazy. um, Dimensionally. Someone in Reddit had explained it as um, what's that movie? It's like about aliens, though, I think, where it's like the bookshelves and like at the end and you see everything through. It's um, Interstellar. Interstellar. They described it as being like Interstellar at the end where you see like all the portions of your life at the same time. through. Like that's what they explained it as being like. Okay, so other patterns, getting information from high frequency teachers, whatever that means. So like there's like guides or like Mm -hmm. you feel like you're getting information from people um ordinary senses becoming more vivid so this reminded me of like being on psychedelics which is probably oh, why yeah. people take like acid and dmt instead of ketamine so they say like color and smell and um sound get like crazy and one guy said like he died and he was transported to this field and then he touched a tree that was there and then he like became the tree so that's cool i yeah, right. Like tree so beard can, and Lord of the Rings. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so I can see how people like say that DMT and psychedelics and things like that give you a, a godlike experience because mm-hmm. that, I mean, people who die say it has a similar effect. Um, they're profoundly changed when coming back. They encounter long lost relatives or friends. They recall scenes from one li- one's life. They feel a sense of connectedness to all creation. And then... Another thing is like a lot of them don't want to come back. Oh. So when they return to their bodies, like a lot of them feel like it's a bummer. Oh, they have like depression? Yeah. So a lot of them like really like this pla- this heaven place that they're at and don't really oh, feel wild. inclined to come back to their bodies. Have body you seen the, the movie um, Fearless with Jeff Bridges and Rosie Perez? No. No. They get in like this horrific plane crash. Like a like it's like a really scary plane crash, like a full on seven forty seven plane crash, and they're on it and they survive, and it's all about them coming back to their life after this near death experience, and like he's not allergic to strawberries anymore. He used to be. This is like a real thing that happens. Wow, what a win! I, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> worth it. It's a scary movie. It's um. Ooh. I mean, it's not supposed. To, it's supposed to be maybe up- uplifting, but it scares me because there's a plane crash in it. 
Oh, John Turturro, yeah. 93. And also because you're terrified of strawberries. Yeah, no, I never want to be able to eat a strawberry ever. No, ever. Um, there, A similar one is What Dreams May Come. Do you remember that one? Oh, I can't stand that yeah, movie. That one's really I goofy. hate that movie so much. I saw that like in theaters and ever since I see, I, I think about it like once a week and every time I like shudder when I think you about it. You get angry? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. As in Robin Williams' wife commits suicide and ends up in like the place where people go allegedly in this movie where they commit suicide and he has to go to the afterlife to like try to go get her. No, thanks. No, thank you. Um, Anyways. So um, there's this article in the Atlantic about the science of near death experiences, which is pretty crazy. And it's been really publicized recently. So in 2014, there was this movie heaven is real about a young boy who told his parents he had visited heaven while he was having emergency surgery. It sold $91 million worth of copies, which is insane. Wow. I feel like Christians love this shit. (laughs) Yeah. And then there's two more books done by doctors. Oh. And all these doctors who are are always like, I didn't believe in this stuff until it happened to me. Uh, Proof of Heaven by Eben Alexander had a near-death experience uh, after he was in a week-long coma from meningitis. Oh, God. And then to heaven by and back by Mary C. Neal, uh, who had a kayaking incident, who we'll talk about. And we'll get into this a little bit later, too. But, like, science has always tried to explain, like, what NDEs are. Like, what is a near-death experience? Like, is it an oxygen shortage? Is it because of like anesthesia during during surgery and like that does something weird to the neurochemical responses? It's like your brain resetting though. Like that's the crazy part about it. Yes. How do you, how's your memory not a race? Like how do yeah. You know? What am I? I'm not a doctor. <laughs> I ain't a doctor. There's some other explanations. Like some say it's um. It's a disassociation thing. So like when you're in a, a highly stressful experience that your body will disassociate from a stressful event. That's called the disassociation model. So some people might detach so far that they'll start, um, that they'll start detaching from one's immediate surroundings and then visualize them from where they were prior to the incident. So like you might imagine a hospital setting or things like that. So you're kind of like imagining. Oh, like if you're in like a car crash, like some people forget the car crash. They only remember what happened before because it was so traumatic. Yeah. So some say that these near-death experiences were then they're like, they're like, I could see myself in the hospital bed and like stuff like that, that it's just disassociation that they're, they are like in a coma, but then when they come to, and that's what they remember that like, it's, it's they're separating from their trauma and then like kind of like making up a story of like memories that they're putting together. So then there's, there's something that science tries to explain called the birth model. People say that like when they have these near death experiences that they see like a tunnel and then like a, they feel like warm and enclosed and stuff like that. So people think that when they do get like flatlined or in these or in these places that maybe they're reliving um, the trauma of birth or that they're taken back to, oh, which is oh. kind of like like what you were saying is like kind of like a reset that like yeah. they're taken back to like the womb and like the birth canal. And that's like what Whoa. they're remembering again or something that's like that. Cr- oh, that's wild. crazy. Yeah, so that's called Ooh. the birth model. <laughs> no, yeah. thank you. No, so like, yeah. that's what I'm Hard in my fast. background right now. That's like the birth canal. Yeah. 
It's reaching up. Um, a vaginal light tunnel. Yeah. And then there's also ones called like, <laughs> that would be the name of like your production company, Allie. Vaginal, vaginal light birth tunnel. tunnel. <laughs> vaginal light tunnel. VLT. All <laughs> oh, the VLT sandwich. Um, and then there's also ones that depersonalization, the expectancy model, neuro anatomical models, which like the, I'm, this isn't like a scientific thing. So I'm not going right. to get into all these. Um, but they also say low oxygen levels, altered blood gas level models. Um, that could be the scientific explanations to why people experience these things. Or like, you know, when you get like shot or something and you don't feel it, like you, your adrenaline. Yeah. Like yeah. Ronald Reagan. You're like in shot. shock. You didn't know he got shot. What? Really? That happened? Yeah. He got shot and like, he was like, oh no, I'm fine. I'm fine. And then like his secret service agent was like, oh, I got to pet you down. And like, they saw blood. And oh. he was like, oh, they're like, we got to take you to the hospital. <laughs> I'm sure it went crazy. down just like that. A lot of, I've been watching a lot of West Wing. <laughs> what a fucking weirdo. <laughs> that being said, there is this thing about like when people flatline. So this guy, even Alexander, uh, who was in the coma for meningitis um, and was in a full coma, um, was able when he got out of the coma to say to say everything that like, the doctors had said while they were in the room, like he oh, he was able to recount. Yeah, he was able to recount like what people, what thing people were doing when they were in the room, like what people said when they visited. Uh, and the, his experience took place when his brain was incapable of any activity. Oh, so when he came to, he was able to he to recount all this stuff. So it's just like it's real. Like people are able to recount this stuff. It's just a matter of like, how is it spiritual or is there some sort of scientific um, explanation? So now we can get into some crazy stories. So if you've seen surviving death, this one will be familiar. So um, this woman was kayaking and she fell off a waterfall and she was pinned under the underwater. Almost all her bones broke crazy. And she said, and she was stuck underwater. Like she couldn't breathe. She was stuck for like, 30 minutes or something. She felt no pain, no fear, no panic. She said she felt more alive than she's ever felt. She said she felt her spirit peel away from her body and go to heaven. And she was immediately greeted by a group of people who she didn't know, but she knew were familiar. So for example, like her um, grandparent who died before she was born. So then she was taken down a pathway, she said, that was covered with flowers, exploding with color. She said she felt a shift in time and dimension. She said all of eternity was in every second and every second lasted for eternity. She was led to a dome structure where she felt an overwhelming sense of home. But at the same time, she could see the river where her body was submerged. Eventually, her body washed up on shore, bloated, purple, fixed eyes, etc. She was dead. She had not, she had been deprived of oxygen for 30 minutes. She had no heartbeat. Crazy. Um, she could see people doing CPR on her body from heaven. She did not want to come back, but apparently the beings on heaven with her told her that it was not her time to die. And then apparently those beings also told her that her son would not live to his 18th birthday. That's what? right. And then he didn't. But why did he they tell her right that? His 18th birthday. Why would they tell her that? Like, that's a dick thing to do. Well, the weirdest thing is that then she told her son Well, that's that. a dick thing to <laughs> do. Yeah, she told her son. <laughs> yeah. Well, because he did turn 18 or like he graduated or something. 
He was going on his 18th birthday skiing ski trip, trip or something. Okay, yeah. if yeah, you're and then going he died. on an 18th birthday <laughs> ski trip and you, you've been told you're not going to live past your 18th birthday, you don't go on the ski trip. You don't go. Well, I, I think that was her fear. He had turned 18 already yeah. and she you shouldn't was like, go on well, a ski I'm going to tell him that. If you've been told you're going to die, you shouldn't go on a ski <laughs> trip. Like, easy. Sorry. But she figured like the curse was broken because he turned 18 <laughs> and she was like, okay, it's probably fine. And then the son was like, mom, you're crazy. Like, <laughs> well, that's what happens whatever. when time works differently in heaven. 18 <laughs> oh could be God. the same as 1920. Dog years. <laughs> yeah, seriously. <laughs> she experienced all this and then she got a prem- she got a message from from her from her deceased family and then it came true. So that's kind of scary. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. And here's one from John Tenney. And this is from um, his blog, Weird Lectures. I'm going to read it verbatim. I have his permission. Please understand that some of the words I use in the descriptions of my experience will fail to accurately explain what I remember. The memories I have of the event do not have words or descriptions, which is part of why the experience was so horrific. Also, if I stray away and meander about about while trying to explain the occurrence, please remember that for decades, my family chose to not speak about this event. Whoa. My mother and father, obviously, do not like to talk about when they almost lost their son. To this day, it is something they would rather not think about. As an example, when I say my family doesn't talk about it, I mean my 14-year-old nephew just learned about it weeks before the show premiered. 
because uh, I, I think that they, he talked about it on a TV show. Knowing he would see the show, my sister and I discussed the experience so that he would not be frightened about it and so that he could revel in the fact that although his uncle died, he still has his uncle. The meat and potatoes of the experience itself, the biological component, is secondary and plays little part in what I experienced when I died. So let's get right to what people want, the experience itself. I could simply write awareness inside of nothing forever. And I would be fine with that description, but you, the reader, probably would not be satisfied. Correct. Not satisfied. Yeah. Give me more, John. <laughs> a traditional NDE is usually talked about as bright lights, a white tunnel, relatives who have passed away, beckoning you into the light, warmth, happiness, and eternal love. Mine was very much the opposite of that. Oh, God. At some point, I became aware that I was aware. It was dark. I felt blind. I tried to reach my hand up in front of my eyes and realize I didn't have a hand or an arm or eyes. Oh. I tried oh, to God. scream, but found I had no mouth. Indeed, I was only awareness without physical form. My body no longer existed. I was only a mind. I was there forever. As strange as that sounds, it's true. There was no time where I was, and therefore I was there forever, trapped in infinity, unable to scream, oh, move, and also unable to be unaware of my awareness. I couldn't <sighs> shut it out because I was it. There was only me, my mind, alone inside of infinity. This is a nightmare. No, it's horrible. I hate, I hate everything. I second hate of it. it. <laughs> Although aware that I could not scream, I still tried. I tried for millions of years to <gasps> scream. God, and this is I, horrible. Like, did John go to hell? And no, when you're in space, no one hears you scream. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And when <laughs> it didn't work, I tried for a million, year, a million uh -uh. more, knowing that it would never work. I wanted to cry, but again, there could be no tears when your body has no ability to produce them. I knew who I had been, but at some point realized this was now who I was. No one, nothing, in the middle of nothing, forever. I wanted anything, hope, happiness, sadness, pain, something that would let me feel, because I knew if I could feel something, I would mean it would mean that there was something other than the nothing. Fear became a friend because it was something still, though oh, it was fear. This is that's like, a haunting sentence. I hate this. Fear I became a friend because it was because something. it was something. Still, Jeez, though it was Jesus fear. Christ! <laughs> I know. Buzzkill. God. Every <laughs> every now and then the fear would return. It was the only thing I knew. Since time doesn't exist, when the fear returned, it returned constantly and forever. And I would try screaming again and again and again and again. At some point after forever, an idea became me. The idea was stay nothing forever or became or become everything. I knew from being inside the nothing for infinity, I had to choose everything. And I opened my eyes. There it was. Everything. People, smells, sights, sounds, happiness, pain, fear, life. And it was beautiful. The day I died was the most horrific part of my life, and it was the greatest thing that has ever happened to me. Whoa. <sighs> yeah, bro. Oh. I don't love to see it. <laughs> you don't love to see it? <laughs> so that's one 
one description of the afterlife. Cool. <sighs> Very Can't different wait. from the others. Can't wait. Well, that seems like the opposite of what we normally hear. It's like, it's so beautiful yeah. and light. And John's like, oh, no, it was a horrifying nightmare. Well, it'd be interesting to have another episode. Maybe I'll do like a Patreon episode about like what different religions think of like what the afterlife is because oh, like that feels right. like very like what the Jewish afterlife is. Like the G- Jews, I think from what I understand, believe that like you die and then you're dead. Hmm. Like it's just like an, oh, I an, wonder infinite, how much religion an infinity of death, you know, has to do with like how people's different thoughts on. Yeah. Like I would love to know the correlation. I don't think John's Jewish, but I would love right. to know the correlation between like your religious beliefs and then like how you perceive he's like a near-death atheist, experience. I believe. He's probably Wiccan. He's his own religion. Yeah, I don't know what he is. <laughs> Pagan? I don't know. Yeah. Um, oh, so then oh, here's right. one from this woman, Kim. She said, uh, she DM'd me. She said, it's a long story. In 2010, I had an asthma attack so severe mm. that it seized up my lungs and threw me into cardiac arrest. Oh oh, I later found out from the medical records that it was about nine minutes during this time mm. I was gone. She said, I spent three days in heaven during those nine minutes. Like, that's so crazy that they know, like, yeah, how much t- like, and the time is different. She said, I don't know how I knew it was three days, but I just know. When I first came to heaven, I was on a river. The river took me to the next level. There I was uh, in a glass enclosure that had all of my memories of my life kind of projected on the back wall. There were endless glass walls. The next level, though, that's where the real heaven began for me. For as long as I can remember, I've told my loved ones to meet me in the back left corner of heaven. She says, I think I got that from a movie. So there was a green meadow as far as I could see. The colors were so vivid that there's no earthly words to describe it. Anyway, as I headed back to the left corner to look for my dad, he died in 1985. And as I was walking toward it and him, I hoped my nanny, she died in 1991, was suddenly in front of me. And she said verbatim, what are you doing here, Kim? It's not time for you yet. I woke up on the cardiac floor of Athens Regional Hospital. I had been in a medical coma and had undergone hypothermia treatment. I was furious that I had to come back here, and I still kind of am. (gasps) Oh. Crazy. Jesus. I like how the nanny was like, you got to go. Like, this isn't. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's not your time. (laughs) But that's another common thing where it's like a loved one's like, you have to go. I'm sorry. It's not your time. Like, you still have work left to do. Um, okay, so this one has a mention of suicide, so I want to do a trigger warning. Um, so fast forward like a minute or two um, if you don't want to hear it. So this one is from someone who DM'd me also. Uh, her name is Mags, and she said, I think I did have a near-death experience. I intentionally overdosed on a large amount of various prescriptions, and my suicide watch person felt something was off and called 911. The last thing I remember before glowing, going blank was depressingly my door being opened and asking the paramedics and police officers not to hurt my dog who was jumping on them. And then I felt nothing for a while. I felt warm and happy for the first time in a really long time. And like I was being reunited with someone or something. She says, I believe in witchcraft and spirituality. So I do think that it was the spirit of someone close greeting me when my heart stopped. I didn't see anything or hear a voice. It was just a feeling. 
I have my thoughts on what it was that I encountered, but it's hard to explain and it sounds really silly. The next thing I knew, I was waking up in a hospital about four or five days later with a breathing tube in, catheter, etc. I was active duty in the Navy at that time and so had to do mandatory time in the mental ward once I was stabilized. Once I had full control of my body again, I felt completely changed from how I was before. And this is something that a lot of people say that like, they have a complete shift in perception after they have a near-death experience. Uh, She says, I still have depression and PTSD from traumatic events that led to the suicide attempt, but the urge to do it again or self-harm is gone completely. I had even been smoking a pack a day um, as a weird long-term self-harm thing and drinking a lot before it happened, and I haven't touched a cigarette since and don't crave drinking anymore at all. It felt like the presence I had met with me for those moments greeted me and sort of took away that extreme level of pain. Like it wanted me to live out my life instead of just ending it. I still remember it really clearly. In the mental ward, the doctors, uh, to be honest, seemed a little confused about how peaceful I was. That's crazy. And they have, in Surviving Death, they have like a support group for people who have had near-death experiences. And a lot of like the things that people say are that like, when they come back, they have problems like relating to people because like they don't have the urge for like materialism or like ego or competition. They have a hard time relating to like their friends and family because mm-hmm. they they now um, feel a lot more spiritual um, than they did before, which is interesting. OK, yeah. so th- and then here's um one from Reddit. Okay, so this is from bitches broken underscore hearts. <laughs> this one's really crazy. <laughs> okay, so this person says, I died when I was a baby. When I was a few months old, my mother looked down at me in my carrier and saw that I was blue and not breathing. She ran to the neighbors who was a nurse who performed CPR until the ambulance arrived. I still had no pulse and was not breathing. They worked on me for a while, and I had eliminated all of my body fluids, yes, even as an infant, and remained blue with no pulse for 15 to 20 minutes. Miraculously, I started breathing again on my own. I had no brain damage or any lingering cognitive effects, and my life moved on. Lately, I've been doing a lot of self-reflection, meditation, and therapy. This isn't something that I'd share with my therapist or psychiatrist because I know I would be committed, and I know how insane this sounds. But I have never been connected to my mother and father, not even my sisters. I've always felt like I had been adopted, even though I wasn't. I've never felt right. I believe that when my body died, the soul that was in my body meant for my mom and dad moved on and that my soul took over. Trust me. I know how insane it sounds, which is why I'm posting anonymously in this thread. (laughs) (laughs) as bitch and broken hearts does anyone have this experience so this guy thinks that like this baby died right and then like his soul swooped in oh like he thinks like i guess like his soul was meant for like another family or something maybe and like his soul like swooped into this like baby's body or something that's wild. Which is one that I've never heard. So he thinks no, that like that this soul actually moved on and then another. Then this other like this other person, I won't read the whole thing because it's long, but says that when they had their near death experience that they were taken, that theirs was also kind of like John Tenney, that theirs was a bummer, that they were taken through the rest of their life, like what their life would have been oh. and like how their life would be without them. 
So like what their parents are like once they die, like they were able to see like the consequences of their death. They were able to see like their parents grieving and like they saw, she saw her best friend commit suicide. She saw like what was ha- like states of like what were happening in the world and blah, blah, blah. I think she saw, she said she saw, she saw the Tampa Bay Buncan- Buccaneers win a game, which is crazy. <laughs> I would like bet on that. That's like, um, <laughs> yeah, that's wild. <laughs> it's like back to the future. And so then she, yeah. and she was in a coma this whole time. And then she, she came back because she was so sad about being able to see all these things and like all the devastation that people felt around the death. I wonder how much of what she saw actually happened. Like what I know. I want to know about this Buccaneers game. Um, <laughs> so then, um, there there have been a lot of studies trying to replicate near death experiences to try to figure out like what the what the deal is. Right. Apparently the Dalai Lama can replicate a near death experience through meditation. Ooh. And oh. monks can monks can can like flatline while meditating and then come back to life. Apparently the Dalai Lama can do that. Enter such a deep state of meditation. If you want to book an appointment with me at higherselfhealers.com, I can teach you how to do that. <laughs> um, but there's this study called the AWARE study. It was launched by the Human Consciousness Project. It's led by Dr. Sam Parnia and Dr. Peter Fenwick, Stephen Holgate, um, and Robert Peveler at the University of Southampton. They're, they study the brain and consciousness during cardiac arrest. They're trying to test the validity of near-death experiences while these people are having heart attacks and mm-hmm. flatline. There's one guy, this one patient, a 57-year-old man, described himself floating up to the corner of the room, seeing medical staff work on him, watching himself be defib- defibrillated. And um, according to the study, several of the details he described checked out specifically. Um, and then it says, after triangulating the patient's description with the workings of the defibrillator, the researchers think he may have seen things that happened for as long as three minutes after his heart stopped. I don't know, man. <laughs> there's, a- <laughs> I don't know, man. I don't know, man. Um, there's also, there's also like a big conference of near, there's a near death experience conference where people, I guess, like, yeah. After near death experience, people say they have high sensitivity to light, sound, certain chemis- chemicals. They become more caring and generous. So me, maybe Maria would benefit from that. Oh, you're rude. <laughs> it's so, it's, it, you know, it's comments like that that just make me re- leave a real bad taste in my mouth. <laughs> they have trouble, like the taste of strawberries. They have trouble with timekeeping, <laughs> finances. Oh, well. <laughs> oh, and also they have a strange influence on electrical equipment, apparently. Like they have glitches and stuff with um computers. Oh, why? So, I don't know. Um, I I don't I don't know. I don't know the answer. <laughs> so I just I mean like I'm kind of at a loss about whether or not like what the afterlife is. John, to be honest, like John's recount account of it really freaked me yeah, out. Yeah, that was haunting. It was horrible. I was really on board for like seeing all my loved ones and being in like a really beautiful garden with everyone who's ever loved me and feeling like a a warm heavenly hug. Yeah. I do not want to be screaming for infinity with my new best friend fear. (laughs) So (laughs) isn't that like a Bush song? My old friend fear and you and me. Don't let the days go by. 
what if what if John's story was John just the lyrics to the <laughs> yeah. uh, John, are you sure <laughs> you didn't just pass out and hear that song playing? I'm alone all the time. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know. Do you guys have any thoughts on what you think? Like a near de- what you think the afterlife is, or like if it exists, or what do you think the vibe? Like is? the whole seeing sh- things, and like yeah. I believe that because when you die like if your heart stops and like your brain is like there's still some activity or there's no activity like your brain resets so like what crazy shit is going through your brain when you're like your body dies like you must see or feel some like insane things well i was thinking it's kind of interesting i have epilepsy i haven't had a seizure in like six years i'm very lucky but i grew up having seizures and before you have seizures sometimes you can see like and hear and crazy things like sometimes you like see hallucinations or like smell things or like see vivid colors and I don't know if there's any correlation but that I always viewed Caesar seizures as kind of like a body reset like your brain has like an electromagnetical like surge you know kind of and then you seize and then like you're back to normal so I'm wondering if like when your brain has these like surges of activity and then like flat lines, if it produces some sort of like auditory, like sensory, I mean, like I literally am pretending to be smart right now, but like <laughs> I have no idea what I'm talking no, about. No, that makes sense. You know? Cause that's like when Steve Jobs died, his last words were like, oh, wow, oh, wow. Remember that was like his thing. <laughs> oh, really? I thought it was something really stupider than that. I feel like we've had this conversation before. No, I talked about it. Hold on one second. My <laughs> Steve on. Jobs. Oh, it was. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um. Yeah. His last words were like, oh, wow. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. And that makes me think that he was like his brain was like doing something where he was seeing stuff. Yeah. Well, the birth canal thing is interesting where you start yeah. to feel like I don't the tunnel. like maybe like maybe your brain like we only use a certain percent of our brain. Maybe it starts activating more of that and we're able to like recall things that we couldn't recall before or I don't know. I mean, if you think that we only use such a small percent of our brain, like what happens when we start using more of it, you know, because we have some flair that like for a moment we're able to use access more of our capabilities or something. I mean, I don't know. There's also an episode of surviving death where um, people who are in hospice who are who are close to dying report like seeing their loved ones or feeling their loved ones prior to death like seeing visions or like dreaming about um their their people who have passed away. Mm-hmm. So I mean clearly there's some sort of correlation between like death and like I don't I don't it's just so it's I mean it's such an uh, open like we'll never know I don't think you know, I don't know. Unless we got to try to, you know, try to die and then come back. Yeah. You go Which I guess what is what DMT is. Like, I don't. And that's something oh, I was like, I'll, I'll write right. about that. But then I was like, I don't know. Like, what is DMT? Like the death molecule and like it mimics what death is? I don't know. I've never done DMT and I don't want to. I've just heard so many different, differing accounts of it. Like where it's like, oh, it didn't really do much. Or like, oh, I thought I was dead. It was horrifying. Ugh. I don't want to do it again. Yeah, they call it the spirit molecule. Joe Rogan does it a lot. He does. I have an ex-boyfriend who does it. And I was like, I'm not going to ask him. Like, I don't want, I don't need his input on what DMT is. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) 
Yeah, as far as so, so people have described feeling like they're traveling at warp speed through a tunnel of bright lights and shapes. Glycerine. Um, okay, well, anyways, um, I would love to hear what any listeners think about like near-death experiences or if you've had ones or anything like that. Uh, please let us know. Melissa, where can people re- reach us? You can email us at webcrawlerspod at gmail.com. Wow, if you Google image DMT, there's like really crazy hallucinogenic oh, like pictures that I don't like. Um, that like it feels like like a yoga teacher, like a, a, a guru oh, no. would put on their Instagram. You know what I mean? Like those weird <laughs> yeah. pictures. Um, okay. Anyways, um, I am Allie, um, NDA Siegel. I am Melissa. Oh wow, Stetton. <laughs> oh wow, wow, wow. <laughs> and I'm Maria oh, wow. Strawberries Blasucci. Cool. That's so cute. Okay. (laughs) Bye. Bye. An Erio's original. Powered by ACAST. 